How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bose Football Final here at KHON2.com and anywhere you download podcasts. It is the season finale of Bose Football Final. I'm Rob DeMello. Joining me, we got my boy, Rainbow Warrior, former offensive lineman RJ Hollis. We want to send a shout out to our boy, Rich Miano, who is not here with us today because he is enjoying a much deserved family vacation. And so we wish him a happy new year and safe travels. And I'm sure that when we get this thing going up uh, once again uh, for signing day, I imagine it'll probably be the, the next time that we get this thing going in February, um, Brother Rich will be with us. But a lot to talk about here in this edition of Bo's Football Final, where if you haven't been binge watching the Netflix should be drama <laughs> series that is the University of Hawaii football team, man, another banger not- of an episode. And really and truly in in uh, season finale fashion, too, right, where it's like this unseen storyline that wham just comes out of nowhere and um, and leaves you just uh, with your jaw on the floor. And that is that the University of Hawaii football team, 24 hours before their Hawaii Bowl matchup against Memphis, was forced to pull out of the game. And uh, citing season-ending injuries, transfers, and of course, a plethora of COVID issues within the team that forced UH to not be able to participate uh, for the health and safety of the players. Um, You know, at the end of the day, it's as, as we learn more and more as this goes along, over 30 players that were in COVID health and safety protocols in isolation and quarantine. You add to that a handful of transfers, season ending injuries and all that. And you're looking at more than minus 50 for this University of Hawaii football team who entered a bowl season with about 90 something players. So you're talking that on a good day, you're going into that game against Memphis with with high 30s, low 40s. For a division one football game and i think that there are few people uh who think straight that uh don't agree with the decision that the university of hawaii made that they just could not play this game um against memphis and uh and in the days since we've had multiple bowl games now taken off the bowl schedule for the very same reason um and so there's a lot to talk about with this situation but rj hollis first things first is uh, when you learned that this Hawaii Bowl game that was anticipated um, was not going to be taking place, oh, I mean, how, how much of a blow was that to you? Uh, it, it was absolutely huge, Rob. Almost ruined my Christmas, honestly. Um, you know, I haven't, because of protocol and all that, I haven't been able to actually attend a University of Hawaii football game. This would have been the first one. I had my negative COVID test. I actually had two negative COVID tests, you know, just out of the sake of extreme safety with how much cases have been shooting up in Hawaii. But, you know, it's just, it's absolutely heartbreaking. I feel like, you know, even though there was so much turmoil building up to the Hawaii Bowl with, you know, the forum and the transfers and all that, I truly believe what I said last week that, a good game versus Memphis would be able to just 
rewrite a lot of the history that's going to be attached to this 2021 season. And I think that's the biggest gut punch is that the opportunity is not even there. Not that they went out there and had a bad game or, you know, they just wasn't there night or whatever. The fact that the opportunity didn't occur at all, every fan that planned on going to see it, every family that wrapped their Christmas Eve around supporting the Rainbow Warriors. uh, I think that was just an absolute gut punch and really to the players. I mean, my heart absolutely bleeds for these players. And, you know, I know they're football players. It's, you know, be tough, be a man, all that stuff. But just to have opportunities taken from you with things that aren't in your control, I I absolutely feel for the players. For me, it was very heartbreaking. I was very, very excited to, to watch them face off against a Memphis opponent that they rarely get to see a bowl game that was at home. So me personally, I was super excited and it was just an absolute gut punch to me. So I can only imagine what it was like for these players. So it it was just heartbreaking that after everything they've been through for it to end with them, not getting that one more game that we all ultimately hope they got. I, I think that was the biggest heartbreaker. Now, and, and as soon as it happened, um, you, you saw instant reaction in, in, in a bunch of different ways. You know, one of the reactions is is more frustration with this University of Hawaii football program that has delivered many reasons to be frustrated here this season. And whether it's games, uh, performances within games, whether it's the offense in one week and the defense in the other week, it's the issues in the locker room, it's the dramas that work this way to social media, it's the transfers, it's everything that goes into it. And this is just another block added to that. Um, Your sense of the frustrations that 2021 brought and, and really, uh, you know, the, the, the cherry on top of the cake was this COVID issue with this team forced to pull out of the game. Is this, in specific, this bowl game fiasco, do you add it to everything that's happened that this is another issue uh, for the UH football team that needs to further examine what is going on with this Rainbow Warrior football program? Or is this one that you separate and say, this is a issue that is going around the entire country and, and the University of Hawaii, who's done such a good job with this really over the last two years. I mean, what, and you know, you look at men's basketball having to cancel games now because of the COVID issue. They hadn't had any COVID issues for the last two years. The same with the UH football team. And here they are right now. And so do you put this part of all the frustrations of 2021 for this UH football team? Or is this a one-off? type deal here I mean or, or is it even worth kind of even separating the two yeah I mean it, it's it's uh the only microcosm that can go into the frustration I believe is the added uh season ending injuries and then transfer players because in that part that's really in your control that's in the program's control COVID you 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 can't stop it and like I've been saying all season there hasn't been a football program that I've watched that I've tuned into a game that I've seen a stadium who did half of what the University of Hawaii wanted to do as far as safety protocols, 100% vaccination, 100% mask. You can only drink water and can't bring your kids. So it's like, you know, it's like the germaphobe that gets sick almost where it's like, you know, they did absolutely everything in their power for this not to happen yet. And still it came. There wasn't, um, from what I heard, any, COVID outbreak on the Memphis team, but they did recently just travel to the state of Hawaii. The state of Hawaii in and of itself is, I think, on like its fourth or fifth um, 
consecutive record-breaking day of COVID cases leading into and coming out of the announcement that they were going to not be able to participate in the Hawaii Bowl. So if you've been in the state of Hawaii, you, you've obviously seen the cases are through the roof. Um, there, there's hospitalizations going up. There's been requests to bring more workers back in if the hospitalizations go back to what they used to be. So as far as adding the COVID cases or the COVID issues to the frustrations. I think it has to be separated somewhat, especially when you look at it's happening all over the state of Hawaii. I think the one thing with COVID that does add to the frustration is that COVID prevented these fans from seeing the University of Hawaii play with that window that we now seen would have been totally fine to have fans there. So I think, you know, especially if there was a fan kind of like myself, who this is your first chance to get to see them all year. And then that's canceled. You bought tickets, you got your family ready, you know, people that have been isolated or not given the opportunity to come see the university of Hawaii football. I think getting that final opportunity taken away and knowing you have to wait for another year. Cause that's the biggest kick. It's a bowl game. So after the bowl game, Besides offseason, you know, uh, stories and whatnot, you're not going to really see this team again until August of next year. So, you know, I think that's what adds to the frustration part is that people just wanted to see the Bows play. They wanted to come out there. They, they wanted to, to support the team, whoever was going to come. But you can't really add that to the frustrations of everything else because if you look at the state of Hawaii as it is now, COVID cases are shooting through the roof and – you know, at the end of the day, it's all about safety. It's all about making sure that you protect your players and you protect the people that would come see the players. The last thing you would want to end your season, even if it was a successful game, is to have a COVID outbreak at T.C. Ching going into the 22 season, which would then just be more drama anyway. So uh, I wouldn't add it to the frustrations fully. I think it's really just a microcosm. But when there's been so many frustrations, it's easy to be upset. I think that's one of the easiest emotions to attach yourself to. So I feel like the, the frustration has just come with everything else, but this particular situation shouldn't really be tied to everything else. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And, and uh, I, I think I also agree with you with what you said that, yeah, there, there's a, the part, there is a part of this that can be put on the University of Hawaii of uh, one of those situations of, you know, it's a butterfly effect. If you didn't have so many players that didn't want to be on your team anymore, that's maybe more players that could have played in this game. But then you start having that conversation with yourself and you'd be like, well, I mean, if those guys were there, they would have gotten COVID too, just like everybody else. Like right, what, right, what would have right. made them so different than everybody else. Right. But um, you know, and so, yeah, it is a unique situation. And, but I'll say this, and, and this isn't, deflecting anything from the University of Hawaii, because trust me, the University of Hawaii football team has a lot to accept blame over of the 2021 University of Hawaii football season. And, and, and because of what I just talked about with that butterfly effect of, you know, if more players are available, maybe you still could have played this game and, you know, and all that. And without a doubt, it's a black eye for the University of Hawaii, especially when the day that it happened, because now if this were to happen a couple of days from now or, or even today when other bowl games have been canceled, then it just seems a little different, but this was the first, right? The, and really, I mean, they were the second team, uh, Texas A&M did it a couple of days prior. And so that should have 
kind of pointed towards people and saying like, look, this is a trend. Like the UH won't be the last. Like this is what's happening right now in our country. Um, you know, and, and, and so, yes, it, it's a black eye um, uh, perception wise and headline wise for the University of Hawaii football team. But if I'm being completely honest right now, the, the group of people that look the absolute worst through this entire situation of the University of Hawaii football team and, and the Hawaii Bowl is ESPN events. And, and I'm, and I'm going to explain to you why I feel this way. And, and, and it, you know, kind of, it's disappointing to be honest, because this is the, this is the, the release that ESPN events sent out the day that the Hawaii Bowl was canceled, right? Quote, we are aware of the University of Hawaii's decision not to participate in the 2021 Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. While we are disappointed that the bowl will not be played despite considerable efforts from our many stakeholders, sponsors, supporters, and volunteers who work tirelessly to make this game a reality, we thank the University of Memphis program and its fans for making the long trip, and we hope that they were able to enjoy the unique experience that this offer, that this event offers in the Aloha State. I saw that. All right. So that's the that's the official release from ESPN events. And I too feel for Memphis and the fans and everyone that made that the trip. But you were to tell me that this corporation, ESPN events, which I understand, I mean, they took a bath on this, right? I mean, th this is a situation that, that obviously they don't want to happen. Mm -hmm. But you have 30 University of Hawaii football players, 18 to 23 year olds that are now in isolation in quarantine for the holidays, their families are in town, they can't even be with them. Some of them didn't have family in town and we're gonna jump on planes the day after the game was over and try and be able to spend some time with their family through New Year's and all that, right? Which now can't, they're all in isolation, they're quarantined, some of them sick, some of them not. And you're gonna tell me that not one message of sympathy at all for the University of Hawaii and it's issue that they're going through. I mean, at the end of the day, these are people who tested positive for COVID. This isn't the University of Hawaii can't play because nah, I don't feel like it. Or the University of Hawaii can't play because they all got drunk the night before and they're all hung over, right? This is positive COVID cases on the University of Hawaii football team. And you could say an easy post was hilarious with their tweets in the, you know, the day of and the following days. And, and they got to do what they got to do to entertain their people and all that. But to give Memphis the trophy, right, and for Memphis to accept the trophy and to, to turn this whole thing into, uh, you know, just what they did. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I really think that, yes, this is a bad look on UH. Nobody looked worse than ESPN events. And I'm talking like losing respect for and I you know and I don't know who wrote the release and I don't know who these people are and, and I'm sure that I've met some of them and, and whatever but like bro <laughs> grow the hell up yeah no yeah man and um I I it's it's one of those things where you see the slight jab and, and you kind of just did they really just say that did they really you know do that and I think the worst part about it is you know like we said earlier there's been a lot for this fan base to be upset with, with the University of Hawaii, you know, football program. And with COVID going the way it was, there wasn't as much public access to the bowl game practices 
as you would have been led on to believe because negative COVID test, this, that, and the third. So for the people that prepared themselves to go to the Hawaii Bowl, for the people that got their COVID test, got their vaccinations, got their kids ready and all that, and didn't necessarily have, you know, Bo's football final or Rob DeMello on tap to kind of figure what's going as it's going. Well, then the first thing you see after the University of Hawaii announces this cancellation is that press release. So if I'm a average Joe fan and the first thing I see is that press release, well, now I would be like, what the hell? Why are, what did the University of Hawaii do? Because like you said, Rob, it seems as if, ESPN wanted to lead, you know, ESPN events wanted to lead it as if it was a choice that they could have made the other choice, you know, like it, they almost made it seem as like, oh, the University of Hawaii could have played if they really wanted to, even with all the COVID cases, but they just decided not to. They just they just threw in the towel and they didn't want to play and they were scared of Memphis and they left us hanging like at the end of the day, you got to have some sort of transparency and, you know, ESPN events. They may have gotten information that we don't have. They may know some things that we don't know. But if the ultimate source of a cancellation is a virus that's going around the entire continent, the entire globe right now, at rates where everybody's experiencing high COVID cases, I think it was pretty uh, irresponsible and almost, you know, kind of petty for ESPN to just take a jab at the University of Hawaii like that. I mean, and granted, you could feel the way you do, but as we know, Rob, we're professionals. You can feel a certain way, but at the end of the day, as a professional, there's always ways that things are supposed to be presented, i.e. even with the Twitter forum we just had. There's emotions towards things, but there's still a way you're supposed to present it, and I feel like ESPN events in that press release presented it as it's 100% Hawaii's fault. It's 100% the University of Hawaii's fault. We did everything we were supposed to do. Memphis did everything they were supposed to do. Hawaii could have played, and they just decided to leave. So I think by putting that press release out there, you add it to the frustration because, like I said, we out here you don't have the access. The COVID protocols are a lot more serious in the state of Hawaii than in anywhere else in the country that I've been to, and I've traveled multiple times during the pandemic. So, you know, for ESPN to kind of put 100% on the blame on Hawaii to not even mention COVID, COVID cases, or any sympathy for those that are sick, any sympathy for those that put effort in on the University of Hawaii's part, uh, I'm with you, Rob. I think that was definitely a jab, something that I feel a company as big as ESPN should be way above, way above. And even if you give Memphis the victory and the trophy, I get that part because they wanted to participate. But don't you know, take a shot at a university whom is not playing because of COVID cases. We know there's injury. We know there's transfers. That's one part. And if that was the only reason they didn't play, hey, ESPN, you got it. But when you're talking about a state having record numbers of COVID cases, a new Omicron variant, and the fact that a majority of these players that weren't participating was because of COVID, I think that was that was kind of petty on uh, ESPN part. And I noticed that, too, and I actually never brought it up to you. But it's funny that you you picked it up because I did think, you know, it was kind of a slight at the University of Hawaii, only thinking Memphis and giving them the trophy, giving them the points, just showing that Easy Post had way more support and care for Memphis than they did for the University of Hawaii, which I feel like as a sponsor, 
you should be neutral. And they really did not do that with their press release. And they really didn't do it as soon as the University of Hawaii announced they canceled. Once they canceled, Easy Post was done with them. There was nothing to say about Hawaii. There was nothing to bring up. There was no highlights. They didn't mention Calvin Turner Jr. or Corey Bethley or Darius Mulesau and, you know, all the great things they've done. They didn't mention any other players that participated in their, you know, events for the weeks. They didn't even show pictures of the University of Hawaii participating in their events. So, you know, I'm right there with you, Rob. I, I do feel there's an inkling of responsibility for the University of Hawaii to take. And of course they will. They're going to get their lumps. But as a company as big as ESPN events for something as big as the Hawaii Bowl, I definitely think they should have uh, gone about it a different way instead of putting all the blame on UH. Yeah, and there's a lot of questions moving forward about what does this mean be for the, the relationship between ESPN events and the University right. of Hawaii with the Hawaii Bowl, with the Diamond Head Classic. You look at the Diamond Head Classic, Stanford pulling out of the championship game. That's not UH. That's not a UH problem right there. Yes, UH pulled out as well. UH didn't play Stanford. Stanford pulled out of their title game in their primetime slot for the next day, right? And, and so, uh, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. But, I mean... <laughs> It, it works both ways. If I'm UH, I'm yeah. not all that eager about sitting at the table <laughs> with ESPN events after that, right? right? Um, right. And especially because ESPN events then had other bowl games canceled later, uh, just a couple of days later, and their releases didn't look anywhere like what it looked like with UH, uh, with the release uh, for the Hawaii Bowl. And then it only adds to... Oh, you know, fans seeing that and being like, all right, if ESPN is saying this, then shoot, this isn't a COVID issue. Everyone's lying exactly. to us. Everyone's saying that this is exactly. COVID. This isn't COVID. Like, trust me, it's COVID. All right. Mm -hmm. I've, I, I've talked to enough players, to enough coaches. I mean, players off the record telling me stories about, about every time they look outside the window, there's teammates that they didn't even know tested positive or whatever being shipped off in a van. And, and they don't see them anymore. They're just gone. And it's like, oh, well, I guess this guy is not with us anymore. And yep. then every day just add the number added, added, oh. added, added. And so, of course, I mean, this is a, a, a difficult situation and one that we'll talk about for, for a very long time. But uh, I, I think that was something that, that was important to, to talk about um, in regards to how ESPN events handled this and, uh, and the immaturity, unprofessionalism, and um, and really insincere, insincere uh, actions and, and just lack of sympathy that they had for the University of Hawaii and what they're going through. Um, now, uh, moving past the Hawaii Bowl, obviously uh, more drama thrown into the drama soup uh, where uh, the day after that announcement, or no, I believe it was the day of, yeah, the day after the announcement, yeah. the day of the what was supposed to be the Hawaii Bowl, right. uh, Nick Mardner announces that he is leaving the program uh, I think a lot of people saw this coming, um, but he becomes the uh, the latest addition to the list of starters that are leaving this Rainbow Warrior football program. And when you look at the offense, quarterback Shevin Cordero, rusher Day Day Hunter, and receiver Nick Mardner. Uh, that's your leading passer, your leading receiver, and I, I think by the time the the season ended, I think second leading rusher because I think Parson may have uh, passed Hunter mm -hmm. um, uh, on the statistics. But um, your thoughts, RJ, on are we to the point now where we are accepting that okay, guys are going to leave? Um, let's see who the University of Hawaii has coming back next season, or is this another situation where with each transfer, as each day goes on? It reopens the wound 
that is the Rainbow Warrior football issues of the year 2021? That's a good question. Um, that's a really good question. And I feel like it's only going to add to the frustration because when you look at the Hawaii Bowl and how it went and how it ended, we're talking about transfer portal guys, right? And guys that transfer, if they enter the transfer portal, they have time left. So when you talk about fans being frustrated with players leaving, a lot of it is that this guy had a future here. So there was more years. There was more time for him to come, you know, participate and put up, you know, numbers for the University of Hawaii. That no longer will be a thing. But I think now it becomes a bigger issue because you're talking about the transfers that, you know, still had time left. Well, now a bunch of guys just hit the transfer portal in the light. And unless they go into the NFL, they're out of time. So there's going to be even more players, namely Calvin Turner Jr., Cole Laval, Gene Pryor, off of that offense that can't play anymore, can't participate anymore. So you lose those players too, as well as the players that should have came back. I think that's what's really going to add to a frustration. There was a lot of talented seniors. There was a lot of good seniors on this offense. And with the Hawaii Bowl, they get one more chance to show, you know, what they can do. They can maybe, you know, convince some guys this offense is going to really work. They could have three straight games of, of good performances. They could have a backup quarterback come in and beat Memphis. And there could be all these what ifs as to, you know, how the offense could have been better and not really paying attention to the players that left. That was the one thing the Hawaii Bowl would have gave them the opportunity to do. Don't worry about who left because we still have the opportunity to do something. I think what makes it hard for these players leaving now is that once you lose all these seniors and these transfers, you do start to wonder who's coming back next year. What do you have? I mean, of the 11 starters, how many will you have coming back next year? And then of this offense that has been criticized all the way up until Colorado State, how many more players can you go get? A.J. Bianco not signing on the early signing day. That's another, you know, head scratcher that people are worried about. So I think the transfers is one thing with the frustration because you look at the future. But when you add it to the seniors that are going to be lost now, namely guys like Calvin Turner, uh, Gene Pryor, Cole Laval, Jared Smart, so on and so forth, that becomes a bigger concern because now it's like we're losing guys that had a future and we're losing guys that are seniors. So when you start losing this many guys, who are you going to be able to come back with next year? And I think at this point, that's a legitimate question. When you lose this many, not just starters, talented starters. I mean, Nick Mardner, you know, let's not act like this guy wasn't a good deep threat. You know, Chevin Cordero, let's not act like he didn't make lemonade on plays that were broken. Uh, Cole Laval, let's not act like he was not one of the best NFL prospects we had almost on the entire team as a 6'6 center. So when you see all of this exodus, I think that's what makes it frustrating. It's not just players here, players there, or it's not just the guys transferring and then everybody comes back next year. If Calvin Turner came back next year, I really don't think nobody's worried about losing Nick Martin. No disrespect to Nick Martin, but we have somebody that if you're not there, okay, cool. Day-Day Hunter, you got Dedrick Parsons, so that one wasn't really, you know, as bad because, like you said, Dedrick Parsons showed himself to be very reliable as a running back. But you lose Chevin Cordero, you lose Jared Smart, you do start to wonder, hmm, we lost him, 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 him. him. Who's going to be left? What are we going to have? And when you 
put that with the fact that the offense had two explosive games at the end of the year, making you wonder what they would have been like for the entire year, then you lose all the weapons, excuse me, you lose all the weapons that were a part of those two games. It's it's a legitimate question, Rob. It's a legitimate question as to who does the University of Hawaii have? And not only that, who's going to leave after this? I mean, there's eight whole months until another regular season game comes back and there's no guarantee that there's not going to be another player leave, another couple players to leave. So I think at this point, that's kind of becoming the worry with fans is if everybody leaves, we won't have anything to play with next year. We can have the best, you know, concept and scheme in the world. But if we got, you know, our backup tight end as our best X receiver, then we're probably going to be in trouble. So I think, that's kind of what people are waiting on now. Who's all going to leave? Who do we lose as a senior? And really, for that, you know who it is, but you still got to take stock on it because every year there's, oh, I didn't know he was a senior. Or, I didn't know he was a senior. You know? And once all of these guys leave, I think people will start taking stock, and that's kind of becoming a concern. When you look at the offense that was out there for the 13 games this year, a lot of those guys, even ones that should have came back this year or next year, excuse me, they won't be there. And that is a concern to fans and, you know, even to some players. So I think that's kind of what's coming from this is that you lose players to the transfer portal and you're losing seniors. That is a lot of players, a lot of talented players you have to replace. And you would be hard pressed to think you're just going to walk out in the street or walk out in the transfer portal and find another six, six wide receiver or find another hard a gap running back like Dede Hunter or find a quarterback that can make lemonade like Chevin Cordero. Not to say that they can't be replaced or you can't find them, but at the university of Hawaii, a lot of people know it is very unlikely that you're just going to go steal them. So I think that is the biggest concern. You're losing so many players now. Who are you going to bring back next year? Yeah, valid concerns. And, and, uh, you know, like we talked about, uh, we will see what happens from here. I I think we're in the situation now where some of the issues that came up here over the last couple of months, um, you know, obviously issues have been identified. Um, the message that's being put out by the University of Hawaii football team, and whether it's the coaching staff, uh, you know, Todd Graham, head coach in specific, some players saying that, hey, in the time being, since some of those issues came out publicly, they have been dealt with and in, 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 in at least uh, an, a step has been taken in trying to shore some of that up. Now, is that going to change the way how some people feel? Uh, no, I mean, that's not going to happen. Not everyone's going to be okay with that. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. I, I've talked to players that who are some of the, the, the most upset at times uh, through that situation that they told me uh, during the week of the Hawaii bowl practice that, that they're pretty excited about what they see right now. And they, they like the fact that, um, that captains have a little more power, it, it appears, uh, at least through the last three, four weeks, um, to be able to create change. And, uh, and, and they are eager to see what happens. And so, you know, and then I talked to other players, too, who are saying, like, well, no, I, I don't care. Like, I don't care what they're doing now. I care about what they did before, right? And, and so you're going to run into that, and, and we'll just see what, what happens from here. I think um, it's one of those situations that we've talked here on Boys Football Final countless times that the University of Hawaii is not in a position to really do anything outside of trying to fix it. 
right? I mean, that's, that's the business that UH is in right now is how do we fix this problem at hand, not how do we make this problem completely go away, if everyone's catching my drift. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and I think you're right that each time a, a transfer announces, um, it's going to reopen the wound a little bit and be like, man, like, dude, another one, like, mm -hmm. when does this ever end? And, and so, um, we'll just have to wait and see when it does end. Um, but I want to go to the Bose football final mailbox. I told you guys last week that we got a bunch of great questions. Uh, we got a few more throughout the week that, that I think, um, were non-time sensitive that we could hold on to and, and, and delve into real quickly. And, uh, the first one I'll go to from Darren, I think is a great one because we, we talked so much about this guy and uh it really was heartbreaking um that this Hawaii Bowl was not played and and for one of the reasons was for this player in specific Calvin Turner Jr what he was able to do in his two short years with the Rainbow Warriors I've been following this program for a long time and transfers that come in with two years of eligibility I mean typically don't make the kind of impact that Calvin Turner Jr. made. And I'm talking from not only a football perspective, but from a personality perspective, from a community support and love perspective. And then you add to it that all of that was gained. That love that he gained and that admiration was during COVID-19 where, I mean, mm -hmm. you can count on one hand how many opportunities fans actually had to see this guy play in person and, and how many people actually got to meet him uh, during his time here at the University of Hawaii and and really even the the day of the announcement I, I released a video on on social media where during the media scrum Calvin Turner Jr. was asked about you know was it ever considered that you wouldn't play in this game you have the NFL draft to get ready for you have the East West Shrine Bowl to get ready for and I mean his answer was no essentially problem. just like what are you talking about of course I, wish I, I would. wouldn't I of course I would play in this game because I wouldn't be in the position I'm in if it wasn't for my teammates and if it wasn't for the state of Hawaii. So this is my chance to represent Hawaii for one last time with Hawaii across my chest. And I mean, anyone who heard that message from him, uh, I mean, it must have tugged at your heartstrings before you even knew that he wasn't going to be able to play in that game because the, the game was canceled. And so the question from Darren is, what is Calvin Turner Jr.'s legacy as a University of Hawaii football player, RJ? the greatest that could have been. And I, I say that only from the fan perspective. I mean, the University of Hawaii has had, you know, Devon Best, they've had Chad Owens, they've had playmakers, diverse, you know, playmakers that are diverse, that could do more than just catch or run or, or punt return, kick return, stuff like that. But when you talk about Calvin Turner, we've seen him perform something great in every aspect, as a receiver, as a running back, as a wildcat, and in the return game. But the biggest thing was nobody saw him do it. Like, I remember, and I will bring this up probably as long as I live, me sitting next to Kavika Hallams in the empty Aloha Stadium, and the University of Hawaii plays New Mexico, and Shevin just throws up this lob ball to Calvin Turner, who at the point, at this point in time, was not really the Calvin Turner we know now. But when he crosses field and he makes three defenders miss and then takes it into the end zone, I remember looking at Kavika and vividly going, he wasn't supposed to score that. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't supposed to be a touchdown. That's, 
that's not okay. Then you go to Boise State where he does the tightrope. You you go to the bowl game where he has the kick return. And then you come into this year where I believe out of the first four games, he had three reverse field plays that two of them went for touchdowns. But nobody was able to see it. I, I, I put – when Calvin Turner put up his highlight on Twitter the other day, I retweeted it, and I said it is truly a travesty that thousands of people were not allowed to see Calvin Turner in person. And I truly believe that is a travesty because Calvin Turner is the type of player that makes you love the University of Hawaii football again. I feel like Calvin Turner coming back for his senior year almost had a bubbling to it. You know, after they played Houston in, uh, I forgot the name, or the New Mexico Bowl, that was in Texas. That's why I was going to say the Texas Bowl, but it was the New Mexico Bowl in Texas. After that game and Calvin had, I think, a kick return for a touchdown and then two offensive touchdowns or one offensive touchdown, there was truly some bubbling about, whoa, this guy's good. Like, is he going to come back? Is he going to come? I had people DMing me because there's not the direct connect that you used to have. So we're the best resource. Do you think Calvin Turner is going to come back? I actually remember doing a, a, a poll about it that had like 200 or something votes because people were that interested to see was Calvin Turner going to come back for his senior year? Not only did Calvin Turner come back, he came back and made just as much noise as he did his junior year and was absolutely electric for a season that was filled with so much negativity that was filled with people, you know, growling and sending their mean Bose football final questions and talking about the media or talking about the culture, talking about whoever. There was always one consistent thing about the University of Hawaii football in the past two seasons that would make you smile, and that is number seven with the ball in his hands no matter where he's at, return, wildcat, slot, running back, whatever. If number seven had the ball in his hands, you knew there was a legitimate chance that he could take it for six. And that was absolutely exciting. That's what fans needed. That's what fans love. And I feel like him not being able to play in front of a capacity crowd, whatever the capacity could have been, Yes, there's 50,000 that were held in Aloha Stadium, but I feel like even a full TC Ching would have been able to kind of elevate that that feeling for Calvin Turner that there should have been. So uh, I do feel like it's a travesty uh, of a career. That dude is probably one of the most electric football players I've seen, especially at the collegiate level. And the fact that he represented the University of Hawaii, this word is important. He represented the University of Hawaii proudly. There was never any sweat in his brow. There was never any teetering with him. You want to talk about somebody that could have hit the transfer portal or could have hit early for the NFL draft? Calvin Turner's one of them. You want to talk about the guys when University of Hawaii went six and seven and there was a gap to wait for the bowl game? Calvin Turner is probably the one person whom if he said he didn't want to play, nobody would have had a problem with it. People would have been like, dude, he's probably a second or third day guy. If he doesn't get injured and goes on his training crazy, he could probably go in the first two or three days. But Calvin never even thought about that. It never crossed his mind. It never even sunk in his heart that he was going to give up on the University of Hawaii. And that is a personal part of Calvin that we really haven't been able to see because of COVID protocols, because of lack of access. But when you add what he does to the field, to that interview he did with you, like almost insulted that you was asking him if he was not going to play. I mean, man, it, it is truly a travesty. And, you know, I do feel like someday when everything's back to normality, 
Calvin Turner will be allowed to be returned and, you know, maybe a guest captain, an honoree, a small highlight tape or something. But I do feel like Calvin Turner is one of those guys that if he's not recognized this year, sometime in the future, the University of Hawaii needs to appreciate number seven, what he did, how fast he did it, and the loyalty he had from the time he stepped on campus to the time he left. Yeah, very well put, RJ. And, you know, so well put that I'm not even going to add to it. I, I think in my question, I, I expressed uh, kind of how I felt about Calvin Turner Jr. and what made him so special. And so we'll just leave it there. And, and it's interesting because the next question, this comes from Higa Dynasty, is, um, you know, this is really interesting because this now talks about a player that is no longer with the program that the University of Hawaii is going to see here the next couple of years and that's Chevin Cordero and and this is a you know I never really even thought about this until this question was asked and uh Higa Dynasty asked will Chevin Cordero be cheered when he returns to play at the University of Hawaii and so in 2022 uh the Bows and Sparns will play in San Jose uh because they they had that game here at the Clarence C.C. Ching Athletics Complex in 2021 uh, and that will be Chevin Cordero's redshirt junior year is probably how San Jose State will list him. I'm not sure if they'll call him a senior. Uh, if he stayed at UH, that's how UH did their rosters, but everyone kind of did it differently. Um, uh, so either way, he has two years of eligibility with the Spartans. And so uh, that sets up a 2023 return trip to Hawaii. Um, we all know that the new Aloha Stadium won't be built by then, so it will be at the Clarence Teaching Athletics Complex. Um, and so what do you think, RJ? I mean, uh, will Shevin Cordero be cheered as he leads the Spartans against the Rainbow Warriors? Uh, I think that's a 50-50 ball, but I can guarantee you one thing. He will not be cheered by RJ Hollis. Not that <laughs> <laughs> you, hold on bro hey at the end of the day you know there's there's a uh uh being from hawaii is one thing representing hawaii is another thing but as far as i go i'm just university of hawaii san jose is opposition there that is our division that is that is a team we must beat to be able to achieve what we want so at the end of the day do i feel like some people will be proud that he's a local boy done good playing as a D1 starting quarterback. Well, wait, let, let me interrupt real quick, though. It, it goes beyond that, right? It goes beyond him just being another local boy quarterback. He's a would be a former University of Hawaii quarterback and, and one right. that made history here, right, uh, in regards yeah. to passing yards and rushing yards, yeah. some big victories. Um, mm -hmm. And then you add yeah. to it the storyline behind him leaving, and, and that is – unhappiness right and that is uh um you know with everything else that's going around with the locker room morale issues and and frustrations with the program and so there's a lot of people that view Chevin Cordero as not leaving because he wanted to leave but leaving because he felt that he had to leave does that change anything does that make it a little different because like you know I think of like a Jason Gesser who quarterbacked at Washington State or Darnell Arsenal at Utah who faced the University of Hawaii, right, as the opposition. But these are guys that signed out of high school. These are guys that, that did, you know, did not choose to go to UH. The Chevin Cordero situation is a little different. This guy played for the University of Hawaii for four years and then is now with the enemy. So yeah. uh, does that 
that doesn't change anything at all to you, RJ? Not for me. Not for me. Not for me. And that's why I said it's a 50-50 ball as to I do not believe that Chevin's going to be hoarded by booze. In fact, I think it's going to be so close that you can't even tell what people are doing. It's going to be one of them white crowd noises where it's like, oh, a couple of people threw a boo in here, but then it's cheering and whatever. Chevin's back on the field. I'm just saying for me personally, because when you're when you put on that University of Hawaii uniform, you're repping a entire state. Now, if you're from here, it may seem different to you when you come. But from what they told me, <laughs> you know, what I was given on my recruiting trip, when you put that jersey on, you got a whole state behind your back and there you're representing that with everything you got. Granted, he had a reason to leave and, and I could understand that. Other people could understand that. But as far as football goes, as far as wanting to see success for the University of Hawaii football program, me personally, only on the day they play San Jose State will I not have any positive words for Chevin Cordero. If they go 11-0 and 0 in the other, you know, 11 games they play, hey, that's fine and dandy with me, and hopefully he gets a quiet Heisman vote, all that good stuff. But when you come to T.C. Ching or the University of Hawaii goes up to San Jose, when that game starts, R.J. Hollis will not be looking for success out of Chevin Cordero. That is me personally. If he throws five picks against the University of Hawaii, ha! If he puts up, you know, great numbers and they still lose, ha! Why? Look behind me. That is what I represent. That is what it is about to me. So at the end of the day, there are situations outside of it. I get that. There is no ill will in my heart towards Chevin Cordero. I wish him nothing but success every week except when he play Hawaii. So if he goes 26-2 and two over the next three years, I will clap hands for him, especially if them two losses come to the University of Hawaii. So, you know, I definitely wish great success for him. He's an awesome kid, no malice in his heart. Uh, he's smile, God-fearing guy. Nobody that you would personally have any sort of vendetta against. I have no sort of personal issues with Shevin. In fact, I would like to think that Shevin's a good friend of mine. I've talked to him more than a few occasions, and it's always been, you know, whatever's helping him, whatever it is for his success. But for me, I'm not going to cheer for him. Not when he play us. No. Yeah, no, hey, and that makes complete sense, man. And I think there's a lot of people that, that share that, that sentiment with you. And, you know, the way I envision it is that when Shevin Cordero trots on to the field to, to enter his huddle for the first time in that game, I think there are going to be people that maybe even stand up and, and give him an ovation and, and hey. say like, Hey, thank you for everything that you've done. It's kind of like a, like a Colton Wong returning to St. Louis or, or whatever it is, right. Where his first at bat uh, now, you know, football doesn't have that, that spotlight moment that baseball does of getting, stepping into the batter's box where you can give your standing ovation and pay your respects to everything that this player did for, for you and your fan base. Um, you know, but I, I think, Shevin will have that moment where he runs onto the field for the first time. And I think people can, can tip their cap and, and, and clap for him and say, hey, mahalo. And then, but once that game starts, he's just number 12 on San Jose state. And there's been plenty of number 12s that, that have faced, uh, faced the university of Hawaii um, wearing that Spartan uniform before. Yeah, no. And most definitely. And two people that are going to cheer for him. No malice out of my heart. Hey, I am never about booing a kid of booing somebody in their 20s that is i'm not 
the the life police that's gonna judge Chevin Cordero and be like, oh, he should have did this, he should have did that, da 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 da. At the end of the day, if the whole crowd stands up and cheers with Chevin Cordero, that is awesome. But I guarantee you, if you look around and you see R.J. Hollis, he ain't clapping. <laughs> and it ain't nothing to do. With, it ain't nothing to do with Chevin. Chevin's a great kid. I represent the University of Hawaii. I am a supporter of the University of Hawaii, and I want to see the University of Hawaii succeed above any one player at any one time. So, like I said, if Shevin goes 26 and two in his next two seasons, I will be all for that. I will post Shevin for Heisman posters, all that. But the Saturday you play the University of Hawaii, if you walk past me, say, what's up, RJ? And I'll say nothing back. Hey. You know what? No hard feelings, bro. None at all. But you know what it is with Crazy. me. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, the one thing I'll add before we move on is, um, you know, and, and RJ, you know this, because not only from what we do together on air, but then off air, I've been on this train. I've been, I've been the conductor of this, the choo-choo of San Jose State. When you look at rivalries in the conference and everyone mm -hmm. points at Fresno State, there's some big games in the late mm -hmm. 90s and early 2000s. Obviously, BYU, you don't play them enough anymore. I mean, they're always going to be number one. BYU right. is number yeah. one, but you of just course. don't get of it course. every year like you used to. And so, you know, it's just not the same. Of the teams that you play every single year, San Jose State is the team that everyone should get up for every week. And I'm not just talking about just in recent years of like the Twitter issue, right? Where they're, 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 they're blasting they away, the nails without these, Honda. like snide comments and all that. But I'm talking about like the games. I mean, even when UH had seasons where there was so much better than San Jose state, the games always ended up being bangers. And so, and then, you know, in, in recent years, San Jose state has the edge and, I mean, this just adds just another carrot to that soup of like, man, this is a bubbling rivalry. And 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 having Shevin Cordero at quarterback, Brent Brennan bringing him in and to face the University of Hawaii two more times. I mean, dude, this is the rivalry that everyone needs to be talking about, that when the schedule comes out at the beginning of the year, there needs to be a big old circle on like, boom, this is the week right here. And if the Mountain West Conference is smart, and if they read the room a little bit and they're paying attention to what's going on, the last conference game of the season for the University of Hawaii should be San Jose State and uh, or the first, the first or last. You don't want to throw whatever. it in there like the third game, whatever, like, oh, it's some game in like October. <laughs> what, you know, no, no, this either needs to set the tone for the, the for the conference season or end it in that West Division. So um, so, yeah. The University of Hawaii, San Jose State, there's something happening there. And Seven Cordero being added to the Spartans just adds to it. Oh, most definitely. And I feel like, you know, if I'm a network, as soon as that transfer portal happened and Shevin put on his Instagram, I need San Jose versus Hawaii. Whatever I got to do to make that happen. Do you know why? Because that will probably be the most televised and watched group of five game period next year. I mean, UCF, Boise State. Well, maybe State. in the state of Hawaii or like, I don't know. They, I mean, but I don't, even then, I don't, because you got to understand with the turmoil that has followed this program with Chevin Cordero 
being a historic quarterback. Yes. Yeah. You know, not, everyone follows the University of Hawaii oh, yeah. that way, and they're not going to fully understand. I mean, I think to the rest of the country, I think it's it's just UH versus San Jose State. And then once the game starts and the broadcasters do their job of setting the stage and all that, then it adds a little intrigue. But, I mean, I, I, I think within the Mountain West Conference and then, of course, the fan bases, this is a going to be a really big game. But, I mean, I mean, I don't think it's a national story at this point. No, I mean, I'm just talking about a group of fives. You had Dylan Gabriel leaving UCF. Uh, since he's going to do their thing in the playoff, but they lose a lot of good players this year. Boise State is Boise State. I'm just talking about G5 teams. If I'm one of those, like, what G5 game can I pick up? Because it's going to be bubbling. There it would probably be nothing easier to sell than your starting history-setting Division I quarterback transferring within his own division and then coming back to play the team that he's in. I yeah, think it's a great storyline. Storyline? It's a great That's all I'm going off of. Yeah, I'm just with you. the storyline. Just off I'm, the storyline. I'm not guaranteeing nothing. But that storyline in and of itself, if I'm a producer, if I, I need that game right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's a great storyline. But I, I think the uh, the important, much like a great movie, you could have a great script, but you need the actors right. to support it. And right. so, so the UH University is gonna, Hawaii yeah. needs yeah. to be a good football team. And so does that, San Jose right. State in totally order for right. that to really come into fruition oh, of yeah. what you're envisioning. Totally. And that leads us to our next question is uh, coming from Aloha Maid asking, give me a reason, give me a reason, Aloha Maid asks, to believe that UH will be better than six and seven next season. And so that's on the heels of you going on your, your whole spiel just, what, 10, 15 minutes ago about with each transfer, people got to ask themselves, like, who who's going to be playing for the Bows next season? How are they going to be able to do what they did this year? And so here's Aloha made asking to give me a reason, RJ, to believe as they're in the, as the fans are in the off season, to believe that this team could be better than they were this past season, which was six and seven. Uh, I think I just have to keep it in a simple statement of fool me one time, shame on you, fool me twice, can't put the blame on you. There's going to be a mic, there's going to be a magnifying glass on everything that is done with the University of Hawaii football next year. And I think the coaches are going to know that and the players are going to know that. And at the end of the day, that's going to be your motivation to get your success. I mean, Todd Graham has a long tenured career where he's had success. He's had victories. He's probably been the most scrutinized here. He's probably been, you know, a part of more questioning than he's experienced that's uncomfortable everywhere else but here. So I feel like this team is seeing that, you know, people are counting us out. People don't believe in us. People don't think that we could do anything. And that creates an extremely dangerous team. In fact, I was a part of one of those teams in 2016 where after Norm Chow got fired, Chris Naole took over. We thought that would be the answer. We only won one game with him. So then Chris Naole, whom a lot of people in the locker room thought could become the tenure head coach, he wasn't the head coach. This guy comes in named Nick Rolovich. Now, if you're not a UH historian, which a lot of us weren't, we didn't have much connection with past generations. We didn't know the guy. But there was enough want to in that locker room in and of itself where all Coach Rolo really had to do is kind of like step back, make a few adjustments, and let the games kind of come to him. I feel like Ty Graham, he knows what's going on right now. I feel like 
the pressure's on him. I feel like the pressure's on everybody in that locker room. And I feel like that pressure is going to create the solution we've been looking for, unity. Nobody's out of the scope of scrutiny. And everybody knows that. So the entire offseason, that's all it's going to be about. How's the morale? Who's going to play? We don't have a quarterback. We don't have a wide receiver. We don't have – you do. They're out there. You just don't know their names. And that builds hunger amongst an entire locker room, which I think will make them even more dangerous than a overwhelmingly talented locker room. So I think the one reason that you could use to think that they're going to be successful is the fact that the question is being asked at all. Can they be successful? This is not, make no mistake about it, with all the talent that they are losing, this is still a formidable team. This is still a team that could go out there and perform and win football games. But now with the Hawaii Bowl ending the way it did, with the Twitter forum, with the transfers, any player that still wants to represent the University of Hawaii has to feel like they're being overlooked at this point. So with that being their motivation, if the coaches, the players, and everybody can circle in on that thought that nobody believes in us, that people don't think we can be successful, I've experienced that energy being able to propel teams not only to be successful, but to be more successful than even you yourself expected. Yeah. And, you know, I think the only thing that I'll add to that is, um, and obviously it's a different situation when you're six and seven, as opposed to three and nine, um, you know, but in 2017, man, the, the, the last time that we witnessed something like this happen, a mass exodus of players and you can't tell me, and, and, and I don't care how you want to look at it. I mean, there, there might be people listening to this that are like, no, I saw it coming and, and, and give the reasons why. But I mean, at the time, I didn't know anyone, including myself, that thought that 2018 was going to be better than 2017 with the loss of Drew Brown and mm-hmm. Dylan Colley and mm-hmm. Kiala Santiago mm-hmm. and Daniel Lewis Jr. and Brandon mm-hmm. Kipper. I mean, I mean, guys that like, I mean, these aren't just guys. These were starters starters and players that were super important to them even being in games in 2017 uh Vianney Moala I mean the list goes on and on and on and I did not see 2018 coming and I watched I watched every single practice I mean back then there were no COVID restrictions Mm -hmm. there was no issues with you know I'm I'm at all the practices you know that RJ Mm -hmm. I mean especially during training camp and I watched Cole McDonald in 2017 and the thought of him being the starting quarterback yeah. Not make me feel like UH was about to do some crazy things in 2018. Nope. But hey, he proved everybody wrong, right? You got Shevin Cordero as a true freshman, and you he came in and he chipped in in 2018. You had players rise up that a lot of people thought that you wouldn't be able to pr- replace the production of Dylan Colley. You wouldn't be able to produce somebody that could play better than Daniel Lewis Jr., who left for Louisiana Tech. And you know, and Vianney Moala, who really you could put two victories on Vianney Moala, right? Like sealing yep. the deal in games. And, and so that's the only thing that I'll say is that, hey, it seemed dire in 2018. And that was the spark, right? Um, was you got a lot of players that came in and contributed. And a lot of players that were bench players that were viewed as not able to sniff the field in 2017. But hey, some of those guys leaving 
gave those guys reasons to work even harder in the offseason. And they came in in 2018 and they showed everybody that like, dude, I was here all along. They should have played me earlier. Right. And so who knows? Maybe that's what happens. And am I gonna, am I saying that's what is going to happen? No, I'm not saying that. But Aloha means asking the question to give me a reason to believe. That's a reason to believe is because we have seen it before. And so, um, uh, you know, that that's a, a, a situation that we all saw play out. And, and so if you are a hopeful fan of the University of Hawaii football team, you're someone that that wants to, to look for um, signs that positivity could follow all this negativity. That's one. Right. Jonah Pinocchio having a chance to play more. That's an opportunity. You know, there are players that, that we talk about that wanting to see more of that they just weren't able to. Zion Bowens is someone that you talked about all season long. I'm like, man, I right. want to see this guy play. Right. I think he can play. You right. saw him play in the last two games, and, and he showed exactly what he can do. So uh, that is a reason. Um, but we're going a little long here. we got to start wrapping things up. And so I'm going to go to the last Bose football final mailbox question. And I think it's the perfect question to, to, to close things out on. Uh, comes from Kaleo, who we've gotten a bunch of questions from. And thank you so much to everybody who sends. Um, all, almost all of these came from email, and which um, on my Instagram account, there's a button that you can email me. I'm assuming that's where, where people are, are sending these in. Um, I'm, I'm getting Twitter DMs, some comments um, on Instagram and Twitter. And so, and that's where we're taking all this from. So can, thank you so much for everybody that took time uh, to, to put out some questions for us to, to discuss here on Bose Football Final. But the question from Kaleo, is what do you feel is the most important thing that needs to be addressed this offseason? So, RJ, the number one most important thing that needs to be addressed for this University of Hawaii football team as you enter 2022 2022 is what? Morale. 110% morale. I mean, if one thing this this past couple of weeks of, you know, just ins and outs of transfers of turmoil of all that has shown us is that there's a lot more to football than just throwing a football. There's a lot more to football than just X's and O's. There has to be a feeling of brotherhood in that locker room. There has to be a, a feeling of team, a feeling of community, even if the only part of the community is the football team in and of itself. So, you know, we've seen the final two games, You the offense puts up 88 points in seven quarters and we talked about that and we put it towards you know Bo Graham going up into the skybox and you know we're thinking that with that adjustment the X's and O's problem was solved therefore all problems would solve and that was the highlight that the season ended on and we're thinking you know great 88.7 quarters we might have a ball game boom like it wasn't what we wanted but it was good enough to squeeze it out and the weeks following that victory against Wyoming, almost every single issue that was brought up, none of them had to do with on the field problems or X's and O's problems. It was morale. It was how players felt. It was how certain coaches felt. It was that people wanted to leave. People felt like they weren't heard. People felt like they had teammates that they didn't even know that they were in a, a just a miserable environment. And the more we started to divulge into it, people started to see, well, maybe that's probably what had a lot more to do with the losses and with not fulfilling potential than just not being good enough. There were players that were truly miserable. There might be some coaches that were miserable that just didn't speak. Now, that's not to say that was how 
everybody was, but the biggest glaring issue, especially in this last couple of weeks, has just been player happiness. Has just been their ability to get along with each other, their ability to 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 want to play for Coach Ty Graham. And I feel like if that's addressed next, if that's addressed this offseason, and it's addressed truly, honestly, and bit by bit to where you get to August next year and there is some murmurings of morale maybe, I'm not going to say it's going to be perfect in one offseason. That's almost impossible. But if you could get it to the point where if there is an in-house issue, it could be taken care of in-house. If you could get to the point where players feel like they could talk to their coaches for any reason, they feel like they could suggest things to their coaches. They feel like as a walk-on, they could talk to the head coach as to why they need more time to play or what they need to work on. I feel like you get a team that's like many of the other teams. That's like the team you mentioned in 2018. You lose your starting quarterback, starting D tackle, both of your starting safeties in Keala and Daniel Lewis, and then you win eight games the following year. That's under Nick Rolovich, whom won his first year kind of doing the same thing. You just had a locker room where everybody loved each other. You had a locker room where players felt like they could be comfortable. They felt like they could be in their own skin. And not to say it was perfect and not to say all of them felt that way. But when you look at some of these successful Nick Rolovich teams and you compare it to the talent that's even on the team now, it makes you wonder how Rolo's teams won games and the teams before or after didn't. Because that's not even to say the run and shoot was the greatest offense ever. Like, it was good, but people could stop it. You still were able to win games. The War Dog defense is not the greatest defense ever, but it's top five in the country. Probably better than the run and shoot was as an offense. So the X's and O's are there for that part. Scratch that off. 88 points in seven quarters. The X's and O's are there. Scratch that off. You got the transfers, which can't really do anything about except for who you bring in. Scratch that off. What's the real issue here is that when these players go into that locker room, when these coaches come into work, how do they feel? Where do they want to be? And I feel like come next year, if everybody can go onto the field or go into the locker room and feel like they want to be there, you will see a very, I would almost predict shocking team, especially when you look at how many, I mean, it's almost like 2018 setting itself up all over again. You got a bunch of starters leaving. You got murmurings about what's going on in the locker room. You got, you know, off the field issues going on. And then the team next year surprises you. I feel like the one way they will be able to surprise is if Todd Graham finds a way to get that locker room to understand, even if he's hard, why he's hard. That's one thing, like, even with me, my father was probably one of the hardest people on me ever. And when I was 18, 19, 20, I couldn't understand it. Now I understand it. If you can get those guys to understand you or even to understand why you're as strict as you are, why you're as detail oriented as you are, I think you look at a team that's going to come into a lot of games where even fans will go, oh, well, as long as we put up, you know, enough points, we can deal with this. And then they'll end up winning that game. So to me, the biggest, most focal issue to be addressed starting today, if I can do anything today as Ty Graham, starting today, this Monday. I'm going to try and make sure that my locker room and my coaching staff are with me. If they're with me, I need nobody else. And all I got to do is go out there and win games. You try and do things the way that they've been done before. I feel like there's going to be some big trouble. 
I'm with you, man. And to answer that question of what is the most important thing that this UH football team needs to work on in the offseason, I, I agree with you, RJ Hollis. It is morale. But to add something to that, I think that something that needs to be addressed is that there needs to be better representation of the state of Hawaii by the state of Hawaii's most visible sports team. And, and, and I'm not talking about players. I'm not talking about coaches that you need to have more local boys. You need to have more, more coaches that are from Hawaii or even high school coaches, whatever it is. I'm talking about just more representation of the state of Hawaii. And I've been following this program for a really long time, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm at practice every week and we're doing our interviews and we're following this team very closely. And I got to tell you that if it wasn't for t-shirts saying University of Hawaii and ball caps and and jerseys. Nothing tells me that this is the University of Hawaii's football team, right? And I just really think that, and and it's not, and and trust me, this is not a a Todd Graham problem. This isn't a, you know, this is all put on that. No, no, this is a, like everybody, right? Everybody, because part of it is, is education. I mean, and and if you are one of those people that are saying, like, don't put any of the blame on anything on COVID, I mean, you're just you're just being naive to that point. I mean, this is a coaching staff and, and a coach that came into a program that had no opportunity to meet people from Hawaii and to shake hands and to, to do any kind of those that that uh, that tour of being the new UH head football coach where you're learning customs, where you're learning traditions, where you're learning things. I mean, this is a, this is a staff that was locked up and they did everything on zoom and they, they had no interactions and then nine months away from the team. And then you start a season and you run through this quick conference 2020 season. And then when that season's over and everyone thinks that this is going to be, you know, all all better again and COVID is going to go away the uh, the state of Hawaii was left with restrictions that other places didn't have. And so you really went through it all over again. My thing is that, look, I've been following this team for a long time and, and no matter who the head coach was, right. Going from June Jones on June Jones, Greg McMackin, Norm Chow, Chris Niole, Nick Rolovich, all of those coaches had Hawaiian music, Island music playing at practice. Right. You couldn't walk through the athletic department and whether it's outside of the locker rooms where there's the benches and the trees, um, you, you couldn't walk by that area and there not be a bunch of Polynesian boys with their ukulele singing. Right. You walk through the hallways of the athletic department and there's benches over there, concrete benches. And there's it's like you're walking through a concert uh, and people singing. Right. I mean, you look at that this UH football team, the bumper on their helmet says TTH, right? Tougher than hell. And I get it. That's, that's Todd Graham's mantra. You need to be tougher than hell. And, and I get it, but that needs to be something that's in-house, right? For the public to see, I mean, that can't be the message by the University of Hawaii football team is tougher than hell. When you, you're in a place that has its own culture, its own language, you got to find ways to open yourself up to the state of Hawaii and represent what makes the University of Hawaii so unique, right? And, and there's a lot of customs, a lot of traditions that have been brought into this program that, that man, I think everyone can just come together and have a brainstorming session. Okay, how can we do these same customs, these same traditions, 
but bring it a little closer to the islands, right? And and if you're able to do that, I mean, I, I think that it will go a long way and it's an important aspect to being a representative of the state of Hawaii as its most visible and important fo- team, not football team, team in the state of Hawaii. And so, you know, and, and, and this is an issue, I think, that doesn't start right now. I mean, it goes back to tradition, right? I mean, it goes back to, to June Jones arriving here and, and, and people will complain, or not even complain, I won't use the word complain. People would debate that like the green age top of trim, that's the best thing that UH ever did. I mean, that's a great logo. And, and, and I'll say this, that, hey, when you really look at it, that UH with the rainbow logo that I love so much that I forever, you know, have in my heart, um, you know, that, that came out in 1981 and its final year was 1999, right? This yeah. green agent top of trim made its debut in 2000. We're now in the year 2021. This, the green agent top of trim is older, has more years of experience than right. the UH rainbow. And so it is what it is. Like you can't put the genie back in the bottle. The green age top of trim is the image of the University of Hawaii. But what it did when, when June Jones came here and made that change and eliminated rainbow and eliminated all that stuff is you're pretty much saying that a coach can come in and can recreate tradition, right? Can, can change everything. And, and we've seen it time and time again, right? And, um, and it set a precedence to where, like, I don't blame anybody. I don't blame Todd Graham for coming in and, and doing the changes that he feels necessary to make the team his. Because other people did it before him, right? Now, I don't care who the Ohio State coach is, but you're not going into Ohio State and be like, no, 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 I don't like Buckeyes. Like that, mm, it's a, you know, it, it's uh, agriculture. I, I don't want that. Like, I think we should be the, the you know, the, the Incredible Hulks, the Ohio State Incredible Hulks. That's intimidating. And no, no one's ever going to do that, right? Yeah. But it's because it was done at the University of Hawaii before that, hey, it could be done again, right? Mm-hmm. And what frustrates me the most and i'm getting on a tangent right now but what my grandfather taught me and what i teach my kids you know anyone who says the rainbow isn't intimidating enough and that's why you had to get rid of it and 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 all this stuff and what it represents to pop culture uh, who cares what it represents to anybody but the state of hawaii and that rainbow in hawaiian culture represents each of those colors is a different hawaiian god And whenever you see a rainbow in the state of Hawaii, which may I add, is the best place in the world to see rainbows, like actually the best place in the world because of the the winds, the clouds, the temperature, the winds. There's no better place in the world to see a rainbow than Hawaii, which is why it's the rainbow state. And when you see that rainbow, it is the Hawaiian gods visiting Earth, right? And that's what people thought back in the day. And so for anyone to come in and, and I don't care who you are, for anyone to say like, nah, that, that's weak. That's, bro, try telling that to other cultures, right? And that's what makes me sick. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm going on a tangent. And that's what the, the fact that the University of Hawaii aren't the rainbows and the fact that the rainbow is in the logo, I mean, that's something I'll never get over because I mean, it's pretty much, for lack of a better term, I mean, just pissing on the Hawaiian culture of what, of what it means to the Hawaiian culture. Right. And and so, and that's why I've always said that, yeah, the green H top of trim, it's out there and it's here 
and and it's the image of the University of Hawaii, but there should be a UH rainbow. That logo should be a patch on every single uniform, right? On the chest of a football team, on the back of a of a basketball team, on the sleeve of a baseball team, whatever, because you can't let that die. You can't let that go away because of what it means. And so again, going back to what I was talking about, the state of Hawaii and its culture, and I'm not talking football culture, I'm talking like the culture of Hawaii, which no other program can be able to say. I mean, there's cowboy culture in certain areas and I mean, but we're talking ethnicity. We're talking, I mean, this is like a real culture and uh, it needs to be represented. It needs to be respected. And so, you know, yes, I'm with you that morale needs to be the number one issue that this team looks at in the off season. But with it, I think comes with what I'm talking about. Better yeah. representation of the state of Hawaii by its most visible sports team. And, and literally just to piggyback off of you, I'm going to keep it as short as I possibly can. But I remember one of the most eye-opening classes I had at the University of Hawaii was actually the Hawaiian Studies class. They taught us about the Apua'as. They taught us about the overthrow. And it actually caused me to want to go back to my African history because nobody in my family really likes to swim. And I love the ocean. So I wanted to try and figure out, you know, am I one of the people that come back from the coast or whatever? But like you said, that's checking your tradition. That's going back. That's creating a community. I feel like that rainbow should really just be looked at more in a retro you know, kind of throwback uniform type of aspect because the two times I wore rainbow uniforms, I loved it. I would rather wear them than the top of. But to get really on what you're saying about the community, Thursday night, the university, or not the university, I was about to call them the University of Kahuku. But no Kahuku, way, like, man, some might argue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you would be hard to argue. But Thursday night, the university, I was about to say it again, dang it. <laughs> Kahuku High School. When what I'm about to tell you, because the way they celebrate it, you would think it was a university. They won the state championship over St. Louis. And that night I was following the celebrations. I was following, you know, uh, what the community was doing. My fiance is from Kahuku. So I was watching it and the celebration of young and old of of babies that were three to four years old up into uncles and aunties that was 60 plus they were all just as ecstatic. And that is what a community is about. I They won Thursday night, Rob. Sunday morning, I saw new posts of Kahuku. New posts, not old ones, new posts. They won the state championship game Thursday night. They celebrated it till Sunday morning. I do not believe if University of Hawaii won back-to-back -back Mountain West Conference championships, you're going to get an entire weekend of celebration. I could be wrong, but my point is kind of what you're going at. The tradition, the community, the, the, the history. You know, I think it was actually pretty sad how many of us didn't know who Nick Rolovich was. In 2016, when he came there, we thought he was the coach from Nevada. We didn't know he played quarterback at the University of Hawaii because nobody had attachment to that history. A lot of the players before us knew him because he was a coach there, but there's no community. And Rob, like really what you're saying, I think that is something that needs to be addressed imminently, immediately. I would actually put that over morale only because if Todd Graham leaves, then that issue changes, but the community issue does not. So I'm right there with you, Rob. I love the rainbow. I love the top of two, and I'll wear both. I'll rock it either way. I like the history. I like the future. But, 
making sure that it's a community that gets behind this program and represents its state. Because like I told you, when they recruit you here, that's what they tell you. You represent the entire state of Hawaii. I still do that to this day because of this university. And I feel like the state of Hawaii needs to rekindle that connection with the University of Hawaii and do exactly what you're talking about. Well, we'll see what happens here in this offseason as the University of Hawaii football team gets ready for the 2022 campaign again. We're going to be away for a little bit, but we'll be back uh, when uh, some big news happens. Uh, you know, we're hoping signing day we'll, we'll get the boys back together, if not training camp. Uh, but just be on the lookout. Be sure to subscribe uh, on whatever podcast platform you listen to Bo's Football Final on. Find us on social media at RJ Hollis, A-R-E-G-A-Y-H-O-L-L-I-S. Then at Rob DeMello, K-H-O-N on Twitter, uh, on Instagram for the both of us. So uh, just be in the loop and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. We hope that you all have a happy and healthy New Year 2021. Let's hope that it's better than 20 or 2022. Let's hope it's better than 2021 <laughs> yeah. in so many aspects. Uh, but again, much mahalo for the supporter here on Bo's Football Final. We love you guys. Take care of yourselves. Be safe. RJ, take care, buddy. Aloha.